Amen. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you, ladies. Great thoughts, great songs. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Sunday nights we have been in a series on Bible doctrine. Uh, my desire as your pastor is that we understand what uh, the Bible teaches and why we teach what we teach here. Uh, some people never grow enough in their faith to even have any idea what sound doctrine is. Uh, that's sad. Uh, other people, thankfully, not only learn what uh, the Bible teaches, they also learn why. And it is those who learn what and why who will be strongest in their faith. And knowing what and why the Bible teaches helps us keep perspective on what goes on here at Bible Baptist Church as well as in what's called Christianity around us. It's important that we understand what is biblical. It is important we understand what we do that is a historical practice of biblical Christians. It's important that we understand what we do that is just simply a uh, habit or way we do things uh, here at Bible Baptist Church. Unfortunately, some people elevate their own traditions to the level of key doctrine, and other people, they're so clueless about what the Bible teaches that they think that Bible doctrines and Bible practices and Bible principles are just preferences. I want us to understand what those things are clearly. I believe that'll make us stronger as individual Christians. I believe it'll make us stronger as a church. Sound doctrine produces stability in life. And because of that, the scripture exhorts believers to give attendance to doctrine, to give attention to doctrine. It tells us to take heed to doctrine. The Bible warns us, and in the last days, some would depart from the faith. The Bible says to us that we need to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, and there is no way we'll know what is departing from the faith. There is no way we'll be able to earnestly contend for the faith if we don't even know what the faith is. And so we're focused on that on Sunday nights for uh, quite a few months here. Uh, for the last few weeks, we have been focused on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. In fact, this is our sixth lesson on that particular subject. The Holy Spirit lives permanently in every true believer. By the way, uh, if you're a true believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and it is impossible for that not to produce some evidence of His presence in His life. We live in a culture that calls itself Christian and lots of people walk around calling themselves Christian. Christ isn't in their life. Christ doesn't come in your life because you're a Baptist or because you're a Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist. You pick the label. Christ is in the life of those who have humbled themselves to call upon Christ to trust Him as Savior. And to be honest with you tonight... <clears throat> is what I would call some meat of the Word. Uh, if you want milk of the Word, you'll have to listen to this morning's sermon. Uh, I believe people need to hear some of the milk of the Word, and we need to hear some meat. In fact, last week we began talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit and His power is behind every effective witness. His power is behind every effective message. And we challenged one another to begin to desire the power of the fullness of the Spirit of God in our life. And it brought up a question as we closed out last week's thought, what kind of evidence is in the life of those who are filled with the Spirit? 
Now, when it comes to the doctrines of the Holy Spirit is one of those areas where most Christians are very ignorant biblically. In churches like ours, people are ignorant biblically because uh, spiritual leaders have stayed away from these doctrines because of the abuses by the charismatics on television and radio and the internet. But unfortunately, our being ignorant of the doctrines of the Holy Spirit has also caused us to not fully utilize His ministry in our lives. What is the evidence produced when a believer is filled with the Spirit? There are 15 New Testament examples of a believer specifically described as being filled with the Spirit. And it is in those 15 instances for anybody who's actually looking that we can find the evidences of the fullness of Spirit. There are three evidences that recur with these and either one or all three of these are linked in some way with being filled with the Spirit. None of them have to do with tongues. Speaking an earthly language that you have not learned that is understood by someone else who's listening to you speak. Some of the instances have all three. My desire is that tonight you would be honest as you look over your life and if you don't find any of these evidences of the fullness of the Spirit in your life and you're a believer in Jesus is that you would seek and do what you need to do to have the fullness of the Spirit in your life. It's kind of more like a Wednesday Bible study tonight. We'll turn to a lot of places uh, in our Bible. And so I hope you brought your Bible. If you don't have one, there's one near you. It's got a hard black cover. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. Did I say that already? Oh, good. Go ahead and stand, if you would, please, then, in honor of God's Word. This is our sixth part of the lesson, the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. When they had set them, that's the disciples in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he has made whole, be it known unto you all, to all the people of Israel, but that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Thank you, might be seated. But what a great observation that you might handle yourself in such a way that people would take knowledge of you that you had been with Jesus, but that's not our thought tonight. The disciples were on trial before the political and religious leaders in Jerusalem. Understand that the rulers who had hated Jesus and orchestrated his death, uh, they hated those who believed on him as well. These political leaders, these 
Religious leaders and political leaders, they had the authority to jail these disciples. They could have confiscated their goods. They could even sort of turn their back and allow them to be stoned like would soon happen in Acts chapter 6 to a man named Stephen. You can imagine for these disciples on trial, it was a very intimidating environment. And the way Peter and John responded, though none of John's words are recorded for us, bore witness of the fact that they had been with Jesus. And it is specifically brought into our attention in verse 8 that Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. Specifically. And it is in this first of these, in this situation that we see the first of these three evidences of being filled with the Spirit. Notice in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the first evidence of a believer filled with the Spirit of God is the boldness to speak the Word of God, boldness to speak the truth. They faced jail, they faced execution, and Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, boldly spoke, but not in tongues. In fact, in verse 10, he reminded them that they were the ones who crucified Jesus. He said, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, they, that took guts. Uh, I'm sorry, intestines. He told them in verse 11 by quoting Psalm 118 that what they had done fulfilled the scriptures. This is a stone which was set of naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. They didn't like that. In verse 12, he told them there was no other name under heaven whereby they might be saved. He says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Imagine the boldness of that statement to a bunch of people who trusted in the name of Abraham, who trusted and valued the name of Moses, who trusted and valued the name of David, who trusted and valued the name of famous rabbis over the centuries. And for Peter to stand up and say, you can't even be saved apart from the name of Jesus, imagine how that stung. That took boldness. They were threatened then in verse 21. When they threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorify God for that which was done. They had healed a man who had been lame from his birth. And so now they let him go. Peter, because he was filled with the Spirit of God, boldly spake these truths to them. And then the disciples, they leave there and they assemble together and they pray. Notice what they prayed for in the shadow of what happened in verse 29 of Acts chapter 4. It says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. So their prayer is for boldness and for God to continue to do great signs and wonders. Notice what happens as a result of their prayer. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. All the disciples, not just the apostles, not just men, men and women. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for God to do great things. God filled them with the Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. The first evidence of someone who's filled with the Spirit is boldly speaking the truth. 
Now these are the same disciples who were all filled earlier in Acts chapter 2. This filling of the Spirit is something that happened more than once. Remember, most importantly of all, believers who are filled with the Spirit have boldness to speak the Word of God and the truth of God to people. Go back a couple chapters to Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, a man named Stephen, he was not an apostle. He would have been maybe uh, one of the first deacons, uh, certainly a ministry leader uh, who was in charge of food distribution. You could argue uh, either way. Uh, What Uh, The answer to that isn't important. What's important is they put him on trial, and Stephen, as a layperson, he is speaking to the Jewish leaders, again, who had the authority to do all kinds of things to him. And I want you to notice the boldness of his message. Remember, this is Stephen speaking to the Jewish leaders with the power to kill him, who had just killed Jesus. Notice what he says to them in verse 51 of Acts 7. He says, ye stiff-necked. And uncircumcised in heart, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which shewed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers, who have received the the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, They gnashed on him with their teeth, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing uh, on the right hand of God. Notice again, the boldness of Stephen associated with him being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think all of us wish that, or remember, the the fullness of the Spirit is basically God's Spirit speaking to someone's heart when we speak to their ears. Now, now I think all of us wish with God's Spirit speaking to someone's heart while we speak to their ears, I mean, I think all of us wish there would be a positive response. Uh, There's always a response, but it is not always positive. Uh, They threatened the disciples in Acts chapter 4, and here, Stephen, they stoned him. Uh, But the Spirit of God spoke to their heart when he spoke, and they were cut to the heart. Go back in your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're doing a Bible study. I know this is me to the Word, and, and I know some of you, you, you just likely, and I don't know anybody's heart, but likely you just need to hear that you need to repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of people here who have repented of your sins. You have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is in your life. You are a true Christian. The Spirit of God lives in you. And we're talking about uh, what evidence is in your life of the fullness of the Spirit. Remember, the fullness of the Spirit is not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. They're two separate things. Notice in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1, in verse 41, Elizabeth is going to speak boldly and loudly, but not in tongues, as she is filled with the Spirit. In verse 41 of Luke 1, it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. She spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. 
Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Uh, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. What's Elizabeth doing? She's filled with the Spirit. She's just speaking the truth boldly and clearly. Uh, by the way, uh, Again, shocking as it might be to those with an agenda, tongues is not associated with being filled with the Spirit only one of the 15 times on Pentecost, and that's a specific fulfillment of Isaiah 28. Uh, this is a godly mom. Who is Elizabeth? She's a godly mom. <laughs> she was picked by God to raise John the Baptist. And here, this godly mom gets filled with the Spirit and boldly speaks the truth that Gabriel spoke to Mary because God knew that Mary would need the encouragement as she faced the social stigma of her situation. Hear me when I say every parent needs to be filled with the Spirit. You need to have the Spirit of God speaking to the heart of your child when you boldly and clearly speak the truth to their ears. Amen. Look up a few verses in her husband, Zacharias. Luke chapter 1, verse 67, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he prophesied. Now, prophecy in the Bible is sometimes speaking forth the truth, sometimes it's speaking forth the future. When the New Testament closed out, prophecy was no longer speaking forth the future. And anybody you hear speaking forth the future, the moment it doesn't happen, get away from them. They're a false prophet. Only God knows the future. But the gift of prophecy and speaking forth the truth, that gift is just as active today as it has ever been. And here Zacharias is filled with the Spirit. And notice he's just going to boldly and clearly speak forth the truth. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for hath visited and redeemed his people, hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of his life. What's that message? It's just speaking forth the truth. It's filled with the Holy Ghost. He just boldly speaks the truth. Who was he? He was just a godly, high-ranking priest who God chose to be the father of John the Baptist. Hear me when I say every parent here, you, you need the fullness of the Spirit. You, you need more than you speaking the truth casually to their ears. You need a holy boldness because it is more difficult speaking to people in our family the truth when we're going to suffer for speaking the truth than to anyone else. The fullness of the Spirit is God speaking to their heart when we boldly and courageously speak the truth. This is different from natural boldness or brashness. This is, the driv uh, this is produced by the Spirit, not your personality. Listen, God gets blamed for a lot of people being rude and brash and offensive. Boldness is the good courage to speak a difficult and offensive truth without having an offensive disposition. To boldly and clearly speak the truth without being nasty. By the way, I hope when you come to Bible Baptist Church, you hear clarity from this pulpit, but not nastiness. 
unless you're somebody who's so shallow that anything you don't like is nasty. Grow up. Grow up. Believers who are filled with the Spirit will be able to find times when you boldly spoke and stood for the truth. Let me ask you, as you look back over your life, in the last couple of years, can you find times when you clearly and boldly stood up and spoke up for some truth of God? You weren't nasty. You weren't hateful. That is one of the evidences of being filled with the Spirit. And by the way, uh, the most difficult people to demonstrate the fullness of the Spirit is to your own family. Your parents, your children, your brothers, your sisters. I can't tell you whether that evidence is in, in, in your life. I, I just know it's easy to cave in. <laughs> is your life bearing evidence of this in your life, this fullness of the Spirit? I hope so. If not, tonight's a good night to begin to desire that. And may God help us all to be filled with the Spirit, to stand and speak the truth when it's easy to bend and remain silent. But that's not the only evidence of the fullness of the Spirit. You're there in Luke. Here's the second one. Uh, believers who are filled with the Spirit impact others to live more righteously. Notice in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Luke 1, 15. And this is uh, the angel Gabriel speaking to Zacharias about John the Baptist's life. Luke 1, 15 says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. What's the product of being filled from the Holy Ghost? Verse 16, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord. That's kind of linked to the third thing that we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, verse 17, he shall go before him, that's the Messiah, and the spirit and power of Elias, that's Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What's the impact of John the Baptist's ministry filled with the spirit? Uh, people's hearts being turned to their fathers. People being turned to the wisdom of God. People turned from disobedience. I mean, you don't have to read too much of John the Baptist's message to walk away and say, man, there's a man who is bold. What we might be less familiar with is the second product of a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the influence for righteousness around him. Turn up just a bit to chapter 3. Early in Luke chapter 3 is the record of one of John's sermons. And... Then it's recorded for us how people responded to the sermon. How did people respond to a man who's filled with the Holy Spirit? By the way, I do not believe that most Christian people have much evidence of the fullness of the Spirit in their life. I don't believe they do. I believe there are some Christian people who bear some evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Thank God for that. But I believe there are very few Christian people that bear much evidence of the fullness of the Spirit, which is why I said last week, I believe that the fullness of the Spirit is the highest and greatest relationship a believer has with the Spirit of God that lives in them. You can like that or lump it. Now, I didn't make up these evidences, but look at the result of the message that John preached and the people who heard him in Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. It says, and the people asked him, saying, what shall we do? 
He answered and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He that hath meat, let him do likewise. What's the first impact? He says, listen, uh, do right and share some of the things you have. Notice verse 12, Then came also the publicans to be baptized and said unto him, that's unto John, Master, what shall we do? He saith unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. He said, quit cheating people out of their money. Well, practical, just doing right as God defines what, what's right. That's what righteousness is. Verse 14, the soldiers likewise demanded unto him, saying, what shall we do? He said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. Be content with your wages. Uh, did you notice how practical the righteousness of God is? That, that John, he's filled with the Spirit. He speaks a message that they need to repent and be ready for the Messiah. They say, what do we do? You know, to be right and do right in God's sight, it's a very practical thing. It's not some super fluffy thing in the air. It it is very practical. Hey, you got extra stuff? Give it to somebody that needs some. Hey, it's your job to collect money from people? Quit cheating. You're a soldier? Stop being violent when it's not time to be violent. You're a soldier? Quit griping about your wages. That's people influence for righteousness. Say why? Because John the Baptist preached in the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. I don't know about you. I want that in my ministry. I want people who look at the family, at the home, at the anybody who has been influenced by my life, I want them to be living a more righteous life because I was in their life instead of less or just the same. Turn to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Are you filled with the Spirit? Is this evidence in your life? Remember, the fullness of the Spirit is God's Spirit speaking to people's hearts when you speak to their ears. In Acts chapter 11, we're going to find another guy named Barnabas, who specifically said to be filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 11, verse 22, the tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. What is the product? (laughs) Uh, And much people was added to the Lord. We'll get to that. That's our third evidence. Um, People around you and under your influence being converted to Christ. Verse 25, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. It's the first use of that word. It occurs three times in the Bible, and it just means slave of or follower of Jesus. Their lives, under the influence of Barnabas, who was filled with the Spirit, began to do right so much like Jesus did right that people mockingly said, you're a little Christ. You're a slave of Christ. You're a follower of Christ. It's the way they mocked them. See, when when someone is filled with the Spirit, people around them and under their influence, they're influenced for righteousness. To be like Christ, to do right as Christ defines what right is. By the way, what a great testimony for a parent. 
What a great testimony for a grandparent. What a great testimony for a Sunday school teacher. What a great testimony in your office or in your workplace. What a great testimony in your school. Listen, if you are filled with the Spirit of God and you, there will be a trail of people around you in your schools, in your workplaces, in your family, in your ministries, there will be a trail behind you of people whose lives have been more righteous because of your life. And I ask you, is this evidence in your life? If not, you need to be filled with the Spirit if you're a disciple. But it's not just that the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit is to boldly speak the truth, and it's not just that the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit is influencing people for righteousness. Uh, thirdly, tonight, believers filled with the Spirit impact others to be saved. <laughs> Go to Acts chapter 2. I, I know this is meat of the Word. I know some of you here, you could, you could care less about this. But there are others of you here, and, and you have a heart for Christ, and your heart burns to, to have what God wants you to have in life. I, I'm, 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 I'm speaking to you tonight. Listen, if you're a student, your heart ought to burn to speak the word and truth clearly. And have in your path people who were affected for what's right. As adults in the workplace, listen, if your workplace is not any different and better and more righteous because you're in it, you're not filled with the Spirit of God. By, by the way, there's no penalty in, in the Bible for not being filled with the Spirit of God. There's no punishment or discipline. But if you're not, you're missing something that God wants to do in your life through you, through His Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Here it is. And they were all, all the disciples, not just the apostles, not just the men, not just the preachers. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is the only one of the 15 examples where someone spoke in a foreign language they had not learned that was understood by the people around them. That's what the spiritual gift of tongues is. It has nothing to do with babbling on in a heavenly language. So what would happen as a result of these disciples being filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, as Peter stands up to represent them and to speak, notice his boldness in verse 22, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, here it is, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he be holden of it. That's pretty gutsy. Now listen, these people, these same people Peter's speaking to, uh, 50 days earlier crucified Jesus. At boldness. 
Notice, because they're filled with the Spirit, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Again, boldness, verse 37. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. So why? They were filled with the Spirit. They spoke the truth boldly and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. See, the key thing that happened that day was not that people spoke in foreign languages they had not learned that were understood by people that were there. The key thing that happened that day is in verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day uh, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Well, what's the key thing that happened? Um, 3,000 people got saved and baptized. Say, why? Because the disciples and Peter were filled with the Spirit. Uh, by the way, notice verse 42, because they were filled with the Spirit and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. What's that? Uh, doing right? Living a changed life? See, believers filled with the Spirit, you ought to find your path littered with people who are saved. Saved either by your direct witness, saved by your influence, saved because you were speaking when they were saved. There's a lot of ways God uses people filled with the Spirit to reach people. I think I speak for anybody here tonight with a heart for God that as a Christian, I want this in my life. I want to be able to boldly speak the truth, not just from this pulpit, but in any kind of situation where the truth needs to be spoken instead of me just being quiet. And by the way, there are times we ought to shut up. But the fullness of the Spirit is knowing when to speak up and speaking up clearly. Uh, I want this influence for righteousness. I want people to have their lives better, to be more like Christ because of my influence. I, I want this. I want the path and trail of my life to be littered with people who were saved in some way uh, that, that I was a part of. So Brother Wally, how can I be filled with the Spirit? Go on your Bible to Luke 11 and we'll finish up. I'm not going to spend time talking about obvious things like if you're filled with pride or self or sin, the, the Spirit can't fill a believer like that. Uh, I mean, that's just obvious. And if that's you, you just need to repent tonight. How can I be filled with the Spirit? To be filled with the Spirit, you and I must ask and seek the fullness of the Spirit. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is teaching. He says, if a son... In verse 11, Luke 11, 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Of course not. If he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? No. If he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Also no. Here it is, verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Listen, we know from other later places in the New Testament that believers automatically, by virtue of calling upon Christ, have the Holy Spirit permanently living in them. And if you are a true Christian, 
then after you clean up your life and you do what you can to get any willful defiance of God out of your life, then you must ask and seek this. I'm not talking about seeking an experience. I'm not talking about seeking a feeling. In fact, I would tell you, don't seek those things. If you haven't grown enough in life to recognize that there are a lot of things that stir the human spirit other than the Holy Spirit, you haven't been paying any attention to yourself. Listen, go, go ahead, uh, get at a big sporting event with 40,000 people in a big moment. When they stand up, it'll stir your human spirit. Be at any kind of an exciting event and your spirit will be stirred. There are a lot of things that stir the human spirit other than the Holy Spirit. That's why you shouldn't seek an experience and you shouldn't seek a feeling. What I'm talking about is seeking the fullness of the spirit, seeking these evidences in your life. Don't you hunger for them? When's the last time you prayed... God, please fill me with your spirit. Lord, I, I need to talk to my child about this. And all I can do is speak to their ears. Oh, God, speak to their heart while I speak to their ears. Fill me with thy spirit. Do you, do you know what I'm doing up there before I, before I speak every time? Oh, God, fill me with your spirit. Listen, if God ever speaks to your heart, and God ever uses me to uh, turn your heart towards righteousness or God ever uses me to stand up and say anything you might consider to be bold rather than rude. It's the work of God's spirit in me and through me. I want that. And so you and I, if you're a true Christian, we need to ask for that. And we need to keep asking. Clean your life. Ask. Ask. God is more willing to do that than you are to give your child the right kind of food when they ask. That's encouraging. Amen? If you quietly stand.